Hello and welcome to the podcast, What I Wish I Knew as an MQT slash ECT with me, Jeremy Crook. This is a show where my guests and I will share with you our thoughts and experiences of what life can be like when you're a new teacher. Today, I'm talking to Joe Palmer-Tweed, who has worked in education for the past 26 years. Joe qualified in 1992 and has since worked as an advanced skills teacher in drama and in a primary headship role in an improving schools team. Having worked in initial teacher education for the past 15 years, Joe is currently the executive director of the Essex and Thames Primary Skit, and she has also spent two years as an advisor at the Department for Education. I don't think we can blame Joe for everything that's happened. She's done her very best. She was also the strategic lead for the expert subject advisory groups, which was a group of 300 independent experts across the UK. Crikey, I bet they were tricky to manage. And she is also a founding fellow of the Chartered College of Teaching and is an advisor for a range of organisations in the UK, including the Teacher Development Trust and the Goodall Foundation, and is a trustee for the Centre for Studies on Inclusive Education. And when she finds time, this bit's exciting, she has also worked as a professional actor and voice artist, working with a range of companies of international renown. Phew, that's some CV, Joe. Thank you for talking to me today. Lovely to be here. Hey, good stuff. Now, Joe and I both trained at Homerton College in Cambridge. Different times, but we both trained at the same place. I knew I wanted to become a teacher, having been a computer programmer, which was terrible even though actually I also wanted to play football at Cambridge, which wasn't terrible at all and was lots of fun. But what about you, Jo? Were you always sure you wanted to teach? No, definitely not. Um, I'm not even sure now, actually. <laughs> I think, um, no, I, 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 I definitely wanted to be an actor first and mm. foremost. That was, um, that was my passion, and I did that for a little while before training to teach and then I did it again after training to teach so oh, wow. I've always that's kind a good of that's a good profession is it to pick up and put down and pick up and put down yeah it is I mean I think it's a profession where you have to be good but you also have to be lucky mm. so um I think I was lucky that I was lucky um and teaching fitted around doing bits and bobs for a while um but I think the thing that that Initially, I was drawn to teaching because I wanted to pay my bills. That was of course. That was, that There's nothing why. wrong with that, is there? No, correct. But um, I think I very quickly realised that I was absolutely in my element in the classroom mm. with children, um, and that those relationships with children were so fulfilling and so important that that kind of became the main the main thrust of what I did I think um and I think my view was always that the curriculum was semi-functional and my job was to subvert it to make it work for for the children that I was working with hey that's um, the first top tip isn't it to become yeah. a great teacher <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's really important to you know accept nothing question everything and follow your gut, do mm. what's do what's right for your pupils. Um, I do believe teaching's a vocation. Um, and I think I was probably just really lucky that I had two vocations. So I've been Absolutely. able to, to mix them. Um, and they complement each other, actually. Oh, strongly, don't they? Yeah. It's not about entertaining the children, but it's definitely about engaging them, isn't it? 
yeah it's it's about making that human to human connection i think mm. Um, and and presence also you know presence as well you know this Jeremy as well as I do you know when we were back in the days when we were interviewing potential trainees together um, you can tell a teacher when they walk through the door because they've just got something that makes you want to to look at them and makes you think oh actually you're you're interesting and I kind of I I sort of want to connect with you so yeah I I, and I think it's the same it's the same thing in theatre just on a slightly grander scale yeah that's right it's interesting isn't it going back to what you just said about you know follow your gut I feel we've taken away a bit of intuition from teachers uh, where they just say that just feels the right thing to do to me and so I'm gonna do it do you think the curriculum has squeezed that and Ofsted and tick boxes yeah I think there are there are all kinds of pressures that squeeze that actually that come at teachers from all sorts of different directions I mean, my experience is, you know, the teachers that are happy in their work are the ones who are a bit subversive and and do actually kind of follow, follow their own sort of ethical code. Mm. Um, and it is about having your pupils' best interests at heart and wanting them to be the most rounded, well-educated individuals they can be who want to keep learning after they leave your hands. Um, and if the curriculum doesn't entirely do that, then you you change it, you adapt it, mm. you, you jump through the hoops you absolutely have to, and and you skirt around the ones that that aren't going to work for you and your school. Yeah, that's so true, and 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 such a good lesson. And and be bold, you folks out there, be bold. It's mm. your class. If you do what Joe said, you've got the best interests of your pupils at heart, and you genuinely have, then actually. Whatever action you take, very hard to criticise because uh, if it's benefiting the children, then it's the right thing to do. So so when you started then, did you love it when you walked in the classroom? Um, not initially. <laughs> no, not initially. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't love teaching practice. I, 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 I mean, oh, I does anyone love were... teaching practice? No, and I think, but I think you and I, you know, we were the lucky ones, Jeremy, right? Because we had, you know, Homerton was an amazing place to train. It was mm. filled with inspirational people. Um, it was, you know, you had access to the best of everything. Um, so that that bit of kind of training to be a teacher for me was really fulfilling. Actually being in the classroom, um, I didn't enjoy it and I think I didn't enjoy it because I felt like it wasn't my class mm. you know I, I was I was I think I had one enjoyable teaching practice and that that was where I had a teacher that I kind of thought that's the sort of teacher I want to be yep I want to be like you um, and actually I learned 99% of everything I've done in the classroom since from this one woman um, so I think in that sense I loved a bit of it and I didn't like most of it um but once I'd got my own class and I'd really got that sense of autonomy, um, and bearing in mind, you know, I trained at the point where the national curriculum came in. So my first year of teaching was no national curriculum, teach what you feel like teaching, see what right. the weather's doing and teach it. Um, and my second year was, you know, you couldn't actually carry the curriculum. We had to have trolleys <laughs> to carry them around. because It was bonkers, wasn't it? It was. There All was those 13 lever arch files. And and you couldn't you you couldn't carry them. It, there was so much, and it was so prescriptive. So, um, yeah. So I would say my second year, I, I I didn't like very much because of that. 
my third year, I'd really got the hang of how to work it so that I could mm. do what I had to do, but do what I felt was right for the kids as well. So then it definitely it, takes time, doesn't it? It does. It does. It does. You can, it, you can be good enough at the end of your training. Children will yeah. learn, but you won't yeah. be great. You can't be great. Yeah. And I think I learned, you know, the, the one thing I learned that stayed with me, I think, is not to wing it, you know, mm. that actually putting in that prep is worth every second, um, you know, planning properly and really thinking through what you're going to do, because then it's so comfortable mm. by the time you get into the classroom, because you get faster and faster and faster at that as the years go on, don't you? you know, yeah, you do. But, but if you don't do the groundwork, it's like building a house. If you don't put the foundations in, your house is coming down at some point. And yeah. I saw a lesson this morning, actually, which, <clears> which illustrated exactly what you said. And this was a trainee teacher, and it was the best lesson she's taught by miles. Mm. And I said, your subject knowledge was so good. And she said, oh, I really prepared of this whole unit. She was teaching some work on rocks and fossils. Yeah. And she said, I've really prepared. I've, I've made sure I know all the terms, and I've got all the subject knowledge with sedimentary and igneous rocks. And it just came through, and the lesson was very fluent. Yeah. And, uh, and children were so engaged. Yeah, and and her mentor lovely, said, yeah, her mentor said, this is a tricky class. But uh, golly, they, they did so well. She did so well. And, and the class learnt loads. And uh, yeah. I'm not sure there is such a thing as a tricky class, really. There are just different classes, aren't there? It's... Great point. And actually, the trickiest classes have the worst teachers, in my experience. Yeah, mine too. And I also think the trickiest classes sometimes give you the best results. And they're definitely the rewarding yeah. ones. Yeah, because no, you can see, I, can't you? The, yeah, the impact I, you have lessons. is yeah, the impact you have is so big. It is, yeah. And I, I definitely, you know, I've taught lessons in lots and lots and lots of different schools over my career, and quite often teaching blind, you know, teaching to people that I've never met before as model lessons for teach to trainee teachers and things. And the ones that they tell you are going to be the most difficult classes, in my experience, are always the ones that you absolutely fly with. Um, so I think it just is, you know, it's just getting that that learning climate right for that particular group of children and mm. and never and realizing that, you know, the same thing is not going to work in exactly the same way more than once. It's it's never going to be the same a second time round. So no, especially when you get those gold dust moments. Yes. Where you think I couldn't do it any better than that. This is just yeah. fantastic. It's, <laughs> yeah. And the children love it, and I love it, and we're all loving it. And yeah. And then you teach a similar lesson the following year, and you think this isn't working like that. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. But that's another top tip, isn't it? Is kind of, you know, change stuff. Be mm. prepared to change, and be prepared to change it in the moment. Mm. You know, don't don't carry on flogging a dead horse if a lesson isn't working. Stop. Change it. Yeah. Do something different. That comes with experience, doesn't it? Being able to do that with great impact. And you bravery. You can do it, but but you can do it. And and you've got, yeah, bravery, good word. You've got to say, no, nope, got to change. I'm not yeah. quite sure if what yeah. I'm changing to, because I haven't thought it through really, but but what I'm doing now is dying, so I might as well try something else. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, be brave. And, you know, if you're... If you're an ECT, then, you know, trust that your training's prepared you mm. and actually you are able to do those things. you just got to, it's like standing on the edge of a cliff, isn't it? you just got to jump. Yeah, you have. They're so well trained now, aren't they? 
I think so. I mean, way, way better, actually, than I was. Well, way better than I was. Um, I was utterly incompetent when I left. teaching's so different, isn't it? It's, yeah. You know, it, it's almost a science now. It's, it, you know, it's too scientific things. now because back to that intuition, that gut feeling. Yeah, I think you can get a good balance. You know, it's mm. really important to understand, you know, how pupils develop, how memory works, how brains work, how they actually learn. Mm. But, you know, at the same time, don't don't lose that intuitive part of yourself. Mm. Actually, it's, it's, one of my sisters is a doctor. Um, and when she did her training, she uh, she did some training at Broadmoor. And she was telling me they told them all, um, if you're in a room with these patients and your gut instinct is to leave, regardless of what you see in front of you, you just leave the room. Very because sensible. you are in danger. Mm. Um, and I kind of think, actually, you know, in teaching, we need to be saying something similar, don't we? Not mm. leave the room. Obviously, that wouldn't be good. But, but you know, if your gut tells you that something isn't right, then something isn't right, and it's not, it's not working. So, so switch it up. Yeah, do something different. That's that's yeah. so important. I did a staff meeting yesterday, actually, in a school, and uh, one of the things we discussed was the limbic system, talking about yeah. the brain. And, uh, and and that's just fascinating, isn't it? How to get in the mood, how to open the doorway to learning so that the children's brain states are in the right place so they can learn as much as possible. It's exciting. I think it's really, mm. I think this is the bit of education that I feel really excited about, actually, mm. that our understanding is improving so much. Um, and the more that grows, the better, because, you know, the better we're going to get at what we do. Uh, yeah, definitely. Life chances are as a result. So yeah, definitely. Like you say, it's balance. Another great top tip. We won't have any left when I say, Joe, what are your top tips? Because you'll have given us so many. Yeah. But balance is right, isn't it? It is. I, I need to understand pedagogy, and then I can use my intuition, which yeah. is supported by my understanding of pedagogy and how absolutely. children learn and, yeah, and all absolutely. that stuff. And let's yeah. not lose, let's not lose creativity and all of that because that's another area that is massively neglected in the I mean I could talk for hours about the curriculum and the issues of the curriculum but um but you know creativity is is so underrated mm. and 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 you can't test it that's why it's so important and yet it's so important because it's mm. the thing that is life-changing it's the thing that shifts people and I think when when you know, particularly new teachers think about creativity. They tend to think about all oh, that. That means drama and art and music, mm. and actually completely forget that you know creativity runs across the whole curriculum. You can be creative in maths. You can be creative in science. You know, the mm. best scientists and the best mathematicians are creative people. Well, think of Einstein. Exactly. Oh, and yeah. he said, he said, I never worked out anything new through reasoning. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and of yeah. course. That's right, isn't it? Because new stuff needs cre creative thinking. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's, you know, it, it's, again, we're talking about balance, aren't we? And it is that balance. It's about, um, you know, planning, preparation, all the rest of it. But, but leaving enough space for a bit of chaos because, you know, I'm a great believer in creativity happens on the edge of chaos. That's mm. where it happens. Um, so, you know, leave that little bit of space for things that aren't planned to happen in your lessons. Uh, there you go. It's another top tip. <laughs> um, yeah, no. That's where, that's and, and, where the, the awe and wonder happens, isn't it? That's Absolutely. Where the, the and another one, and, and what I never understood when I was a new teacher was if children said, can I do this? And my stock answer was no. Mm. Um, 
And then very quickly, I realized, yes, of course you can, because you're going to learn the same stuff. You're going to be in a much more motivated state. You're going to work much harder. You're going to go much deeper. So actually, your learning is going to be probably 100% more. Although I worked very hard to to create interesting tasks for children, when you've got your own task that you've thought up yourself... That's more interesting. I think it's, you know, the, the the latest white paper that's talking about kind of centralized resourcing and things, you know, that that's even for me, that makes it even more important that teachers are creative with with what they're given. So, mm. you know, I mean, I know there's been quite a lot of talk about, you know, is this kind of state textbooks by stealth? And mm. you could argue that it is. Um but actually, you know, they're in your hands, teachers, you know, whatever you're given, you can make it work, you can adapt it, you can be creative with it. Definitely, um, and you must. All the people who know. Yeah, you know interestingly, Ofsted, one of my schools was Ofsted a few weeks ago, and I had a long chat with the HMI, and, uh, and, and she said to me, uh, do they use textbooks well? And I said, yeah, they use them fantastically well. And I'll tell you why they use them so well. It's because they don't work through it page by page, but they use the ideas in the textbook and personalise it to the children in the class so that everyone's getting a unique experience, but they're all learning the stuff they need to learn. Yeah, yeah. And that's spot on. That, that's that's exactly it. It's, you know, I guess it's back to bravery again, isn't it? Mm. It's, you know, don't, It's don't nice for once that Ofsted are saying that, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But I, do you know, I think the good guys in Ofsted have always... Oh, they have. You've just got to get really. a good guy, though, haven't you? It's, yeah, I think, you know, in a sense, they're constrained as well, aren't they, by, mm. you know, their their own systems are very rigid. I'd like to think that they they do still recognise the good stuff, and it's nice to hear when they do. That's a, that's a really nice example. Yeah, and, and, and I think they do if they're good. Yes. But it's, also it's, show them. That's the other thing, isn't oh, you it? Have to, you have to bash them with it over the head. You you? What do you think of Ofsted? Look, look over here. Look at what's happening over here, Inspector. Look at this brilliant moment that's happening. Exactly. What What do you think of Ofsted? Positive, um, negative? I think I have a, a, a I have very mixed feelings about them. Um, I think in some ways they're a necessary tool. Um, I think I once heard uh, Robin Bevan, I think it was, uh, saying that... Um, he was talking about why Ofsted's current structure and, and approach doesn't work. Um, and he was saying, you know, if I if I observe a teacher teaching um, and I then sit down and have a conversation with that teacher and say, look, here are all the areas that you need to improve. Here's what I think you could do. Let's have a discussion about it. That's productive. But to take what that teacher's done, write it in a in a letter and publish it to the rest of the school, in what way is that? productive and essentially that is the difficulty I think Mm. um you know I think he absolutely hit the nail on the head that you want these dialogues with people who supposedly know to be constructive not Mm. destructive but the minute you put it into the public domain it it has the risk of becoming very destructive And, and I think that's for me that's the biggest problem I also remember talking to Sir Jim Rose and him saying you know when he was a senior HMI Mm. they had several inspectors all look at the same lesson and every single one of them rated it differently Mm. Um, and you kind of said well of course they did Mm. of course they did so you know I'm glad they've got away from the kind of grading of lessons and things but 
I don't know if there is still enough acknowledgement about the diversity in judgment. Yeah, well, there's not, is there? Because they can't admit to that. No, it's. I mean, it, it, I, I the think great they're in a really weakness of the position. system. They can't. Yeah. They can't admit that that there's massive inconsistencies in it. Yeah, I mean, if I was, you know, Secretary of State for Education tomorrow, I probably would abolish Ofsted and have some sort of a really rigorous peer-to-peer mm. evaluation system with with serious moderation in place, because I think that is that is a much more effective way of driving improvement. And that's what they want to do is to drive improvement. Okay, you might need those kind of Ofsted style teams where you've got schools or ITT provision who are really failing people. But, mm. but for the most part, actually, it's it's an unnecessary... Yeah, most schools are good enough, aren't they? Yeah, it's a sledgehammer to crack a walnut, isn't it? Yeah, and, and it's a massive waste of money. And, but equally, and... you know, I'd say to new teachers, it's also a really... You know, Ofsted is also a really good opportunity to have someone external look at what you're doing and give you genuine feedback. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, in my early days, you know, Ofsted wasn't like it is now. It was, you probably remember this, it was, you know, they were um, they were HMI and just, you know, some some bloke in a Mac would just suddenly appear at the back of your classroom and, um, and you didn't know what they were there for. But, you know, I, I do remember having <clears throat> exactly that. Some man appeared in my class. He watched what I was doing. He talked to me about it. And then he was able to say to me, do you know what? This this bit of your practice is brilliant. That bit isn't. This bit, do you know, there's a teacher in this school down the road here who's really great at that. Mm. Why don't you make a contact with them? Or the local authority have got this amazing course on X, Y, Z. That would be really good for your development. Um so yeah, so I had really positive experiences of of Ofsted very early on, mm. but it it wasn't the Ofsted then that it, that it is now. No, um, and I've had quite sort of varying experiences. Um, you know, some some great, some some less great. It, you know, it, it's it depends. I've been involved. yeah, and that that's and there you've just neatly summarised what's wrong with it, isn't it? Yeah. It should be it should be professionally very useful every single time. Yeah. Otherwise I did I did once have an inspector observe me and observe me teaching a drama <laughs> and say to me afterwards, I don't feel like I can give you feedback because I don't know as much as you by a long way. Yeah. Um well that's nice, isn't it? I once taught a dance lesson in an inspection and I taught it on Monday morning at nine o'clock because I thought at least then. I know the inspector will come because no one else is teaching dance. So I might as well no. do it at nine o'clock and get them to come in. No. And, and and they said to me, are you a dance specialist? I said, you've got to be joking. I'm a complete <laughs> amateur. But I said, what I have done is I watched a dance specialist teach this unit of work. And so and, I know, uh, yeah. yeah. And I'm a good it, it, teacher so I can, I can take all <clears throat> the talent they had and make yeah. it my own. I remember in about my fourth or fifth year of teaching, I think, teaching a dance dance lesson during an Ofsted inspection and the inspector started off sitting on the wooden bench at the side watching and he gradually just got closer and closer and closer to the door as the lesson went on and I'm convinced he thought I was going to make him dance really what was happening in his head um but it was it was again it was you know that wasn't actually particularly useful um inspection because what what was he going to tell me that was my specialist area and I knew what I was doing. So. Well, exactly, and and they are all you're doing, really, isn't it? Because I've asked inspectors quite often, "Do you know much about this?" Yeah, yeah. And they don't. And you no, say, well, uh, "Well, and how can they?" You know, especially they can't, primary, can they? It's you know, they're 
you know, you're supposedly generalists, aren't you? I mean, Absolutely. I th- and then and then you say, well, you're going to see some great teaching, even mm-hmm. if you even if, you know, the, the subject knowledge aspect of it, uh, it might be pushing your knowledge. Yeah, yeah. But, but uh, it's just, you know, it's a small part of of what we do, Hofstede. Yeah. It? So let, let's go back. Let's go. You've said so many interesting things. This has been so good already. But yeah. let's go back. Worst memory. Let's let's just have some real teaching thoughts. Have worst. you got something where you thought, oh my goodness, or best memory, or or both? Um I think um worst memory actually is an Ofsted memory, bizarrely. Um and it was really early. I might have only been in my second year of teaching. And I'd taken a busload of pupils to the swimming pool. And uh, one of them had said to me, Miss, I feel sick, just as we were arriving. <laughs> and as he came off the bus, and I was standing by the bus, as you do, counting them all off to make sure I hadn't left anybody behind. And he just turned around and just threw up all down the front of my legs, my shoes. Oh, no. So I had to walk into the building carrying my vomit-covered shoes to be greeted by the chief inspector. Oh, no. Hi, we've just been on a school trip. Yeah, that was that was one of the, what on earth do I do in this situation? There's like, I have no social script for this, this particular interaction. So that was, yeah, I would say that was one of my kind of That's harrowing. probably quite a good icebreaker, though, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's nothing they can say either. I was in a school once teaching and and doing some science stuff, and and the fire alarm went off, and they had Ofsted in. Yeah. And and the secretary came in and said, "Have you done that?" You know, thinking my reputation went before me for setting off things. (laughs) And uh, I said, "I most certainly haven't. I've chosen very safe things to do today." (laughs) And uh, and actually, what it is, the inspector said, "Magnificent exit for the fire." You know, you clearly have practiced uh, yeah. this a lot. And and so yeah. actually it turned into a very big positive for the school that, that everything yeah. had gone so smoothly. But did you actually set the fire alarm off? No, I blooming didn't. I, I have set it off actually in the past, but... <laughs> you don't surprise me. <laughs> you only do it once and then you think, I've got to check 360 yeah. degrees where the smoke alarms are. Yeah, yeah. yeah which yeah. was where I got caught out once, but... Um, yeah. So, so a best a best moment, a moment where you think, oh, this is because you mentioned earlier, really, didn't you, about about times when everything is just going so well. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, all of my kind of best moments probably revolve around drama in schools mm. on the whole. Um, so years ago, I did a, an outdoor production of the Midsummer Night's Dream with oh, blimey, did the you? whole the whole primary school, every single child. Oh, how fantastic! Um, and we had kind of um, you know we had, and it was beautiful. The the local college came and did all the costuming and makeup and things, and we had all these beautiful little fairies, kind of very sort of woodlandy, and um, it was just that was a moment when I kind of I I think I looked at what I was doing and I thought wow, you know, actually the, these children are going to remember this for the mm. rest of their lives. They're having the time of their lives. I feel like artistically I've done something really beautiful and, and mm. lovely and the parents are loving it. And, and actually they're still learning, you know, they're mm. learning as they go. Um, so, yeah, those those are the sort of memories for me that that I cling to when things aren't great. <laughs> You know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. You've got to have that list, haven't you? Yeah, in the middle of it, there was... list of joy. 
I mean, I've had disastrous productions as well. Um, I have to say, I, uh, one of the one of the most memorable was the first nativity I was ever asked to direct. I mean, this should never be given to a Jewish woman, in my view. But anyway, I was I was given this uh, nativity to sort out, and um, it was in the the local church. And three hideous events happened. The f- the first one was they were doing a handbells thing, and it was kind of you know, Good King Wenceslas. And then there was a note missing <laughs> and I suddenly turned around and an autistic child was sitting at the back because nobody had actually said to him, you need to come to the oh, front of the church. Now. How so sweet is that? And, it was gorgeous, but we had to go and get him. Um, but as he walked, he was wearing a sort of a, an angel's outfit. As he walked, his dress fell off. Oh, no. <laughs> which meant that I had to put his dress on him, hold it closed at the back and walk on my knees like so oh, did you? Kind of, yeah and stand behind him holding his dress clothes the truth of nativities that, folks yeah that entire bit of the performance and then same performance a fight broke out amongst the shepherds no um and one of them cried and then blew his nose on somebody else's tea towel <laughs> so that was that was brilliant ah. um and then the third thing that happened was somebody was sick in the crib so no. it was it was probably the, the most memorable nativity. And, and that's for, where that film, The Nativity, reason. came from, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, good work well done. It was, yeah, it was um, It was an experience. I, I mean, mean it this was is, this lovely, is but... Yeah, brilliant. This is nothing to do with schools, but when I was at Homerton, yeah. I was in a production of Twelfth Night. A friend of mine was playing one of the lead characters, and she said, oh, someone's dropped out there real. I can't even remember <laughs> what happened. This was the day before. The yeah. production open air like a lot yeah, of those yeah. cambridge college productions are and she said uh can you come and be the priest i said yeah. i can but god blind can i have like, a bible with my lines in it? <laughs> exactly i'm not very good at shakespeare so i'm not sure this is a great idea particularly she said you'll be fine you'll be fine you've done lots of acting and uh <laughs> and i went to uh i had a football club i had the university drinks party beforehand and i turned up having had quite a few glasses of wine. And uh, and I went to the stage manager, you know, everything was going well, and, and said, where's my costume? Where's my costume? Because I had to put a big cassock on, you know. Mm-hmm. And they said, I'll, I'll get it for you, just wait here. I said, I'm due on quite soon in a few <laughs> minutes. Yeah, no problem, I'll get it for you. Anyway, we got to about a minute before my entrance, <laughs> still hadn't got my costume. So I quickly scooted around the back of the stands and found it lying on the ground. Oh, so, and and just as I put my arm in the first armhole, I heard my cue. Ah. So, I, so I quickly threw my other arm in. I entered from the wrong place. When I got, I hadn't got my cassock done up, so I had my <laughs> blazer on after, underneath. Uh, as soon as I got on stage, I realised I'd put my hand down the lining of the cassock. Excellent. So I couldn't get my hand out, so I couldn't do my buttons up. So I was standing with one arm across my chest, holding my cassette clothes with no hand on it. And, of course, by that point, the cue came and I thought, absolutely no idea. No. So, so I did my brilliant, let's make up some Shakespeare routine. The whole cast were thinking, what the hell are you doing, you nutcase? That was my one performance of Twelfth Night as the priest. Did after they ever that, ask you back? Well, I said... I don't think I'm the right person for the rest of the run, am I? I said, why don't you just get the producer to do it? He knows the script. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, dear. 
Um, so what about what about some more any more top tips, Joe? You've given us so many already, of course. But but if if you've got something right on uh, um, the, the middle of your thoughts, we'd like to hear it, of course, because you've got so much great experience. I I think my other kind of top tip is lean on your colleagues, mm. especially at the beginning. You know, because we all remember what it's what it's like in those first two or three years where you're you're really still flailing around to some degree, trying to kind of work out what you're doing and what yeah, you're. That's a good word, that isn't it? Flailing. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, in every school there will be at least someone, at least one person who's on your wavelength that you absolutely can rely on. So I, I think you know, find find those people they're the people mm. that when you talk to them about what you're doing you leave the conversation feeling better about yourself than mm. you did when you started it teaching is massively collegiate I think that's something I definitely I hadn't really grasped when I first entered the profession no. um, I mean you know I know it now and I do a lot of work now as um, I'm the, the regional lead for initial teacher training for the east of England and I do oh, great. A, a huge amount of work with with colleagues who you know to say teachers are collaborative is the understatement of the century. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's, you don't find that in, in all professions, but you definitely find it in teaching. So mm. absolutely use that, use that, you know, use that sense of collective responsibility for pupils because, you know, people really do want you to help. They want you to thrive. That's, and I think, again, that's that's very different to a lot of other professions because we've all got that common interest in the children. We all want you to do really well as mm. a teacher because that means our pupils are going to do really well. So Absolutely. everyone's got a vested interest in you succeeding. Um, so, so, yeah, take take full advantage of that. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Ask uh, people will tell you if you're asking too many. So yeah, you know, but ask, ask away. away. Yeah, I was so lucky in my second year of teaching. In my first year of teaching, single entry school, so I was on my own, planning on my own, working on my own a lot of the time. Much as everyone was lovely and supported me and all that stuff, but yeah. in my second year of teaching, I drove to school with an, another teacher joined the school, and I drove to school with her because she lived just round the corner from me. Yeah. Oh, blimey. It took 30 minutes to get what there and 30 minutes to get home. Yeah. So I had an hour's counselling advice. Yeah. Yeah. Suggestions, yeah. problem solving every day. And, yeah. and suddenly I became a much better teacher. Yeah. And I think, you know, for new teachers, it might not be your allocated mentor. Mm. You know, that might not be that they may be the person who takes you through the, you know, the ECT stuff. They, they take you through the early career framework and all of that. But, you know, it might be somebody else in the school who actually is the person you really lean on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just, you know, have a kind of feel your way a bit when you when you start to school and find out who are those who are those people? Who are they? Yeah. Do, 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 do you think the early year? I said do, do, do so many times there, but because I'm still perplexed by this, the early career framework, do you think it goes over so much ground that's already covered in training? Um, I think the answer to that is it's a mixture. Mm. I think some of it, there's a bit of confusion because it is called the same thing, but it's looked at in more detail and from a different perspective. Right. You know, a different lens. Um 
I think there is some overlap because it's all planned based on the core content framework, which is the ITT curriculum. But actually providers are all told that that is the absolute minimum that we have to deliver. Mm. So, of course, we all deliver over and above the CCF. But the early career framework is designed to follow straight on from the ECF. And as far as I'm aware, I don't know that there's been any conversations with providers about what our curriculums actually contain. So, mm. yes, it's likely that there is some overlap. That's definitely the feedback that that's coming through. And I yeah, know that's what, the, what the, the ECTs I talk to say. They yeah. say some bits of it are really useful and some <clears throat> bits of it they've done before it's almost insultingly low level yeah yeah I've, I've heard that feedback as well and I, I think that's probably true it is being revisited mm. um it sounds like the 13 uh, ring binder folder national curriculum all yeah, over again I think it's I think it is a bit I think partly it's in the interpretation as well this mm. idea that you must do every single piece regardless of whether you need it rather than schools and mentors using it as a menu to to kind of create something more bespoke so um I, there is work happening we're <clears throat> our region we're incredibly lucky we've got um you know three really strong teaching school hubs who absolutely have their finger on the pulse mm. um, and i work really closely with those those leads from teaching school hubs and um you know they are all talking about this there are conversations happening um the stuff that they are doing is absolutely leading edge. So I've got no concerns at all about the quality of what's what's being delivered. It's just whether it's always. Oh, that's good to hear. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, it's going to improve and I I hope the workload is going to lighten as well. I think that's that's the the key thing again, isn't it? Yeah. Make it manageable, but really useful. Yeah. 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 So, so we're running out of time as ever. We could talk for ages more. But, yeah. but I'm mindful of the clock. Um, so is there one thing, one thing, and you're a new teacher, you've told us loads of things actually, but is there one thing that, that you think is something you wish you'd known? I think I've probably already said it. I think it's really about the collegiate nature of teaching. Mm. I think I wish I'd known how many people were actually really invested in me doing well. Mm. Um, and I think I just didn't know at the beginning. that. Yeah, that was it's an point. evolution, isn't it? As soon as I realised, it was obvious. Of course yeah. it was obvious. Everybody wanted me to do well. I think that the top tips, but I was going to say two of them. One is, you know, find your person um, or your people. Know that actually everybody's behind you and wants you to do really well, and that's genuine. Um, and and be subversive when you hey. need to. Yeah. I love that. That's just, that's just a brilliant place to finish. I haven't got a quote about being subversive, which is a great shame, but... Uh, I wish I had, but actually it doesn't need it. Be subversive. Yeah. Um, someone once said to me, do you know what I like about your your leadership as a head? She said, you're willing to take risks for the benefit of the children. Yeah. And uh, and I said, good, that's a lovely thing. Thank you so much for saying that because it's the children that count in the end. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, oh, absolutely. great place to stop that is. <laughs> So thank thank you so much for today. It's been so, so interesting. You're always fascinating to talk to, but but today has been every bit as good as every other conversation I've had with you. Thank you. So thank you very much. So what now, listeners? Is there something that Joe has said that's made you think about something new or made you question something you do now? I do hope so. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. 
We'll keep you updated on what's to come on Twitter at WhatNQT. I look forward to being with you next time for another thought-provoking chat with an inspiring person. But until then, I'm Jeremy Crook, and this has been the latest podcast from What I Wish I Knew as an NQT slash ECT.